Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Got those rainy Monday blues. Oh, uh, it is not even Monday, is the thing. It feels like it, what with all the <laughs> rainfall. I got those m- moody Monday blues because of all the rainfall. Cold and rainy and tummy hurt, but that's not that weird. I feel like my stomach hurts more than it rains. Let's. I want to sort of compare my stomach issues versus the average sort of rainfall in Austin, Texas, because I think we have a fight on our hands, people. But I'll tell you one thing. Please do. Uh, it's going to be a good episode, I bet. Okay. You feel it? You feel the energy? You feel that raw 2019 energy coursing through your bones? Um, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, no, not yet, but we'll get there. You don't have that raw 2019 electricity in all of your bones at the same time? It is so nasty outside right it's now. It's nasty outside, but the year... Feels a lot like 2018 still to me. No, no, no. The year has a lot of potential in it. I'm here here to sell you a year. In the year 2019, I feel all this electricity in my bones. It's like a full body orgasm. Oh. Do you have any small wonders? I do. Okay. I am really enjoying the show Seven Days Out on Netflix. Yes. Rachel is, I am kind of enjoying it. Rachel is more into it than I am. But it is a good show. I think what I like about it is it taps into this idea that any kind of big event is interesting when you get right up until the big the big reveal. Yeah. And so it just kind of meets all these people right before their biggest thing happens. Right. So there's an episode about the Westminster Dog Show. There's an episode about the like some restaurant reopening. Um, there's a NASA thing. Yeah. With a Cassini mission where they crashed a probe into uh, Saturn, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an episode about a League of Le- Legends championship. Yeah. Um, it's cool. I think that the show sort of episode to episode, like some episodes are like all about putting the shit together. Yeah. Some of them are more stories about like what goes on in the actual event. And I, I feel like with this show, I was more excited for the like, how do you put on an event that huge? Yeah. Um, so some episodes, it's not as big a focus. But I mean, all the episodes are, it, it kind of reminds me of like Chef's Table, but for event planners. Yeah, the concept is just really interesting to me. I hope they continue to do it because I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say one of my small wonders, one, I... I was thinking about doing hot dogs as a main topic, but then I realized I've talked about hot dogs at a ballpark (laughs) as like a small wonder, so I didn't want to double dip. So I'm going to say eating a hot dog at home is another small wonder of mine. Oh, I almost did pigs in a blanket this week. Those are fun because of the Mm. name of them. My mom used to make them wrapped up in bacon, which I loved. I would fight my Uncle Chris every New Year's Eve. He would come over, and we both loved them so much, we'd have a competition where we'd present toothpicks at the end of the night to see who could get through more of those bad boys. (laughs) But now my heart couldn't take that. Um, I'm also going to say I got uh, an accordion from Justin and Sydney for Christmas and uh, still trying to wrap my, well, my body around it. It's a big one. It is a big instrument, folks, and it makes a big, loud, proud sound. But um, Wait, why did we move away from hot dogs at home? Did you have more to say about that? No, it's just a small wonder of mine. They're good. <laughs> okay. Accordion's good, too. I go first this week, according to wonderful.fyi. All right. The Nets' number one source of news for our podcast. And my first thing is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, what a good Now idea. in theaters. I've never, I don't think I've ever done a movie. Have I? I don't remember if I've done a movie before, but I have definitely never done a movie that is actively in theaters that you can go see right now. But like, 
this is the first movie that I've seen more than once in it while it was in theaters in like a long, long time. I think I went to see the Grindhouse movies, like that two pack that came out with um, the Tarantino. Planet Terror and yeah. Death Proof. Like mm-hmm. I was in college when those came out, and so I was sort of the target audience. And I remember really having fun going to like a midnight screening of those. So I went to that twice. Mm-hmm. That may have been the last time, and that was like shit, dog, two thousand and six, maybe two thousand seven. I'm not sure when it came out. Um, I I love this movie uh, as evidenced by the fact that we don't have a lot of time to go to movies together. And I went to this one more than once when there were other movies I could have seen. Um, I just, I really love it. And I want there to be more of them. And I think everyone on earth should see them so that they'll make uh, a lot more of them. Um, I was sold on this movie kind of minute one from the trailer, which if you have not seen, go and watch it because it, it kind of shows you what the style of the film is. It's very like, it is a very clever way of sort of adapting uh, several different comic book styles uh, of how Spider-Man has been sort of drawn uh, and the world of Spider-Man has been drawn uh, in a 3D animated film. Uh, and it's sort of very cleverly uh, through the story, which is sort of this multi multi-dimensional sort of fiasco. Uh, did I just use the word fucking fiasco in my movie review? <laughs> I'm full-blown shalloting over here. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it sort of has a good reason of sort of having all of these different art styles. Uh, it is like a beautiful, beautiful movie to look at. But like that style, uh, I think, sold me just from seeing it on the trailer. There is so much about this movie that I just absolutely adore um the soundtrack is super good yes i want to i want to own it the soundtrack is fantastic Uh, also like the the action sequences of the movie like are at times like completely choreographed to the music that is playing behind them like full-blown baby driver style uh it also like during those action sequences very cleverly uses like little flashes of like other otherworldly animation like now it looks like uh you know, golden age Spider-Man. Now it looks like, you know, uh, uh, edgy future Spider-Man. It just sort of flashes it when like a guy gets punched. You just get it for like a frame and mm-hmm. it's so fucking good every time. Um, the voice acting is super good. I didn't realize uh, the the guy who plays Miles Morales, who is Spider-Man in, in this one, typically uh, in all the movies we've seen, it's Peter Parker, but in this universe, it's, it's Miles Morales. Um, and he's voiced by Shamik Moore, who uh, was the guy from Dope. The, the movie Dope. He was oh. like, yeah. As soon as I figured that out, I was like, oh shit, yes. That's where I knew that guy's voice from. It's another movie with a great soundtrack. He does <laughs> like a really great VO performance. There are some like heavy parts of his sort of origin story because it is like a different Spider-Man origin story uh, that he emotes like so 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 well yeah. he does an incredible job uh so does uh Haley steinfeld's in it uh mahershala ali is in it nicholas cage is in it lily tomlin's in it uh fucking john mulaney is in it like everybody does such a great job uh and 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 then there's stuff about the movie that's kind of like bigger than the sum of its parts like it is it is for sure my favorite spider-man movie it may be my favorite like comic book movie ever and it's probably my favorite movie i saw this year uh because i saw it twice i think that's a pretty good like rubric to to go by we've gotten eight spider-man movies in the last two decades oh my gosh um and i thought like i was overseeing this this superheroes origin story um but there's something that this one does that is so clever so i'm not really spoiling anything because it sort of is in the title of the movie uh several different spider folks from different universes cross over into miles morales's and are kind of you know testing him kind of like showing him the ropes kind of seeing what he's capable of and showing them him like what spider-man is responsible for in their worlds and i think that's such a clever way of doing like an origin story because it shows you 
uh, how unique Miles Morales's like origin arc is by literally making that like the whole plot of the movie. The whole plot of the movie is look at these other spider folks and what is expected of them. Now that expectation is on you. Let's see what you do with it. Like it is such a clever way of getting around the, you know, guy gets bit by spider, guy drinks potion, guy yeah. gets kidnapped, makes armor and for that's himself. What, like made the stakes feel really real to me. That was the thing I was talking to Griffin about is like, for me, if you're going to do a superhero movie, I need to like feel like it exists kind of in, within the real world. Yeah. And that the characters like have kind of a reasonable reaction to the powers, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it does that really well with his like family as well. Yeah. Like, again, this is like a lot of this is not like completely new stuff because it does do the origin story stuff. It just does it like better than any Spider-Man yeah. movie has ever done it before. Um, he His relationship with his dad is, like, really incredible. Um, it's also worth noting he's, he is Afro-Latino, which is, like, uh, there's, it's a very, very diverse cast, even in, like, the Spider-Folks, uh, which is, like, super fucking refreshing. Um, and, like, it does all that origin story stuff that you kind of expect, but it does it in a, such a, like, well-paced way that by the time you get that like hero realization moment it's like everything after that moment in the film i actually kind of time my i told rachel this i learned (laughs) after the first one to time my pee before (laughs) that so that i don't have to miss any of like the last 25 minutes of the movie because all 25 of them are ridiculous and over the top and like consists of some of the best action sequence stuff I've ever seen. Speaking of which, like this movie's so generous with its action scenes. I've gotten so used to like the pacing of a live action Marvel movie where, you know, maybe there's a big explosive opening and then a bunch of exposition and then they move on to this next big set piece where there's another big action scene and then more exposition wrapping up with like this one big set piece with this huge extended fight. And that's it. And like, that's not to knock other Marvel movies. Um, because those are fantastic. I really liked Infinity War. I really loved Black Black Panther. Um, but like this movie is just nonstop with the with the action scenes. Well, it's really it's really clever, and I hope I'm not spoiling too much. But they incorporate a lot of like panels into it, yeah. like comic book panels, which allows them to get a bunch done in kind of one shot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, which I thought was really clever. Which is good because you know some of the fights include many spider people in yeah. it which is a good way of keeping track of them and yeah like because despite the fact that like the the action sequences are you know almost constant and involve a lot of uh spider parties uh and the fact that there's like a lot of comedy sort of built into the script and a lot of sort of like heavier emotional character development moments uh it never gets like uh, it never bites off more than it can chew. Like, I feel like it, it is very capable of doing all this stuff. Uh, I didn't realize the movie was produced by Phil Lord and uh, Chris Miller. Uh, they were the one who um, uh, made the Lego movie. Uh, and oh. they were, I think, directors on 21 Jump Street. Uh, and they were also executive producers of Last Man on Earth. So, like, I feel like, yeah, I think all of those kind of have this sort of tone. Uh, and maybe tone's not right, but, like, all of those things tied together, I felt so entertained by all of them so like constantly uh and i don't know like why i don't know how how exactly they pulled that off but once i found out that connection i was like oh shit that makes a lot of sense because this movie is constantly entertaining it is uh it is visually cool uh it could have been one of those things and it still would have been like one of my favorite movies of the year but uh there is stuff that happens in this movie that uh, I wasn't even done with my first viewing yet when I was like, I'm going to come back here and see yeah. this again. Uh, yeah, it's very good. Please go see it. Please. 
Please go see it. Is spider folks? Is that how people are referring? Spider. To? Well, one of them's a pig. Like I did spider. Some spider organisms. <laughs> spider. Spider. Spider folks. I think is good. Yeah. Enough. No, I like it. Uh, what is your first thing? My first thing is Chex Mix. Oh, hey. Hi. 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 I'm bringing Chex Mix. Thank you. Good. I have a bowl for it. Pour it right in. <sighs> hey, Tommy, come get this Chex Mix. <laughs> That's my favorite commercial for Chex. Did you ever see that one? <laughs> Tommy? Yeah. When the, like, yeah. the woman comes in and is like, I brought Chex Mix to your house. And then one boy's like, I have a bowl for it. And then he yells for Tommy to come eat the Chex Mix. And then it ends abruptly. <laughs> you don't even see the Chex Mix. And then Tommy dies. Yeah. You see Tommy like fall down the stairs for like <laughs> one frame and then it cuts to black. It's like the end of Sopranos. <laughs> Chex Mix is good though. It's my favorite plain snack. I don't think you knew that because I don't know that we've gotten of it. Of course I know. Are you? Oh, did you know that? <laughs> I think Rachel's being facetious because we've gotten it literally every time. <laughs> Sometimes when Rachel jumps really high, she makes sure that she has a bag of Chex Mix in hand. If she goes up more than one flight of stairs, she's going to need Chex Mix to be her sky friend. I really wasn't sure if you knew that. No, babe. I mean, you know, we know each other's proclivities. For you, it's Chex Mix. For the me, past it's several Mike. years, we've kind of we've changed our flight buying uh, since we have Henry with us. And that we don't really indulge our own preferences as much. Right. So yeah, maybe you'd forgotten. I, I think guess. you misspoke there when you said flight buying. I think you actually meant every aspect of our lives, every <laughs> every possible element That's of it from point. which we could derive uh, joys that we do not derive directly from our delightful, delightful son. <laughs> uh, here, Here's a surprise to me. Yes. You couldn't purchase Chex Mix sold in packages until 1985. Prohibition. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Prohibition got them. You know, rum runners came through and they brought all the booze in. It was illegal, but they mm-hmm. people went to speakeasies and Great Gatsby, Great Gatsby, Great Gatsby. Never read it. And they rolled barrels of Chex Mix rolled out, barrels from of Chex Mix out from under the basement. And then everybody was like, you know what? Booze and Chex Mix is awesome. Let's ratify this. And so they did, but they forgot about Chex Mix till until 1985. And Reagan caught it. <laughs> caught the... He caught the Chex Mix sort of loophole and he fixed it. Well, you know. Why Why did we wait that long? I don't know. I was almost born into a world without individually packaged Chex Mixes. No, and I was. And that explains a lot of the differences between us, I think. Uh-huh, millennials and Gen X. I'm not Gen X. Babe. I know, I know, I know. Don't date me. Uh, so Chex Mix introduced 1937, only as wheat Chex. <laughs> Why? Rice, rice Chex, as we know it today, didn't come out till 1950. Oh, I mean, I imagine wheat Chex is much better for you, but mm-hmm. like, ugh, y'all, come <laughs> on. Uh, Chex Mix became a thing in 1952. Is, um, it, is that when Melba Toast was discovered? You think that it was just Chex Mix, and they were like, well, this is just cereal, and then the Melba Toast... Really made it a mix? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm saving Melba Toast for a later episode. Thank you. <laughs> I really wanted to have a Melba Toast talk with you, but you seemed really resistant. No, I'm holding on to that one. Okay. That's like sweet sweet right there. All right. I mean, you already did pumpernickel bread. Isn't Melba Toast just super old pumpernickel bread that got like mummified? We can talk about this during your great okay, Melba Toast segment. Episode. This you're is right. maybe a two-part episode. You're right. You're Melba right. You're toast. right. <laughs> uh, so mix, uh Became one of the many popular TV mixes, uh, which is a snack that could be consumed without interrupting television watching, Wait, which appeared in the 1950s. Could be consumed or prepared? Consumed. Okay. 
the idea that you could just blindly shovel it into your mouth while watching a program. Hey, 50s people, get better at watching television and eating. This is everything to me. I eat fucking, I could eat lobster. I could eat crab legs while watching television and not break line of sight with the TV because I don't want to miss the Terrace House subtitles. Yeah, that's exactly it. We've really thought about our meal consumption based on whether or not we can read subtitles at the same time. If we get pho, which is always delivered in like individual components that you then have to sort of compile into one big cup. (laughs) I can do, I like, I can't, we either have to pause Terrace House or else I make a big sloppy mess Mm -hmm. because I'm just throwing shit in the cup, overflowing it, getting it on my feet, the hot broth on my feet because I can't, I got to see what they're saying. So do you have a memory of somebody like actually preparing Chex Mix like from scratch as much as you can from scratch? Uh, I mean, we're not talking about uh, puppy chow, right? Because that's, yeah, Uh, because my mom definitely made puppy chow on the reg. I think I, you know, I feel like I do. I, I feel do like I remember. remember people making it by hand, which makes sense if it only came out in the 80s. People yeah. probably still had their go tos. Yeah. It was um, still like 92, and people were like, you can buy Chex Mix? <laughs> I want to share with you the recipe. Are you I ready? think I can f- suss it out. Okay. So we get past the Chex. Mm, what's, what's next? Well, and then my, and then I land right on a soft cushion of Melba toast. It's actually quite firm and crunchy. They don't, so they don't, uh, they don't include a lot of the mix ins. Like, what? there's no pretzels or anything in this recipe. What the fuck? This is like a Ridge classic Chex Mix. Oh, my God. So you're asking me what was an original Chex Mix? Yeah. I mean, Ch- Chex? Yeah. Let's move Let's move on. What are they? And then there's sort of those breadsticks, like little crunchy breadsticks. <laughs> you're focusing too much on the... On the mix-ins? Of, yeah. you, is it like spices and oils and yes. unguents and... Yeah, tell me about the unguents. Uh, I mean, salt? Yes. Good. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe pepper. Nope. Shoot. They, those two are usually best friends at a recipe. <laughs> uh, what is there? Garlic powder up on these? There is garlic salt. Garlic yes. salt. Uh, I'm going to guess that there is probably a little sugar in there. Nope. Just to make it the salt a little saltier. Well, I put a little sugar in. And then I'm going to say honey and then <laughs> um, M&M's and those breadsticks and Melba toast and peanuts <laughs> and raisins. I'm raisins. confusing it with gorp, aren't I? Yeah, I think you are. Uh, we're talking butter. Yes. We're talking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and we're talking a tablespoon of Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. I should have known. Yeah. My old enemy. <laughs> <laughs> Worcestershire. Where do you get off being that hard to say? <laughs> You're just a, like a stinky vinegar. Get out of here. Worcestershire. So here's another fun fact I mentioned <laughs> Why are you laughing? These are all very, these facts are fun as hell. Corn checks. Yeah. Didn't come about until 1958. Okay. So we got. So 52. Right. You know, we get the like, here's checks mix. You know. Can we make this worse for us and the crunch out of this fucking world? Yes. We make it out of corn, folks. Which is your fave? Of I think these? corn. I think it is corn. Yeah. I think corn has the most sort of resilience against milk. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. What's your favorite Chex Mix variant? <laughs> I mean, I like the Ridge because I don't like all the, the dust that you get on your hands otherwise. Oh, see, yeah, you, should, you need to tell me this shit because I'm always buying the cheesy ones because I know you like it cheesy. I thought you were buying that for Henry because he's such a cheese fan. Uh, yeah, but I mean, he can't tell the difference between flavors. That's true. He has no idea. He has, the He'd human probably tongue. eat wheat checks. He would eat not wheat checks with not even his, his pedestrian uh, mouth and taste buds. Here's here's my last little 
my last little fun fact. Okay, so according to... You actually can't call them all. I'm going to step in here and say you can't call every fact about your thing fun. That's a little much. Um, So, Chex uh, was owned by Ralston Purina, which has a location and I believe maybe the headquarters in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, So, Chex Party Mix became popular as a holiday treat. It was called Party Mix? Yeah. That's good. In 1955, when the wife of Ralston executive in St. Louis served the snack at a holiday function. Huh. Uh, Purina dog? Like, did he, did he also do the dog chow? Yeah, Ralston Purina is dog dog food as well. Huh. And that's in, that's in the same building. Yeah, I wonder puppy chow. I wonder <laughs> if something happened in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure. It seems wild because if Budweiser and Poison were made in the same factory, <laughs> I don't think Budweiser would put out a drink called Poison, sort of ironic, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, that's wild. I do love puppy chow. Holy shit. Yes, so good. It's been quite some time since I've eaten puppy chow. You uh, can buy that one too, but it's not the same. It's not the same. No, no, no. I feel like they go, you need a heavy hand. You need a heavy hand. Yeah, it needs to be more gushy. Of a loving and irresponsible grandma who is just like, <laughs> yeah, let's get these kids fucking jacked up. So that you don't sleep on Christmas Eve. Ah, oh, takes me back. I love you. And checks mix. <laughs> I love you too. Can I steal you away? Sure. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's Factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible 
that's um they're for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain hey i've got some jumbotrons griffin hit me with those jumbotrons this message is for re or perhaps rye it is from kim Hi, Rye. I thought I would surprise you with a shout out on your favorite podcast. Oh, thank you. I hope you're relaxing with some Stardew Valley as you're listening to this right now. You are the best game master, a fantastic writer, and I will always love our OC fandom of two. Thank you for being my bestest friend for all these years. Love, Kim. Uh, you got room for two more in that fandom? Yeah, we rewatched the Chris Mika episodes recently. Yeah, season one, uh, which is the best. Season two and three are a little too heavy for my regular Christmas viewing taste. And then Christmas, uh, Chris Mika four is just like out of control. Uh, it's its own sort of Into the Spider-Verse, if you think about it. And that's Ooh, all I'm going to say about yeah, it because I don't yeah, want to spoil yeah. it. That's good. Uh, do you want me to read this next one? Yes, please. It's for the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and it's from uh, Daniel Na, who says, Sup, you nerds. I'm not sure any of you actually listen to Wonderful, but in case you do, thanks for being cool and playing my dumb Dungeon World hack based on the McDonald Land franchise. I promise to, to try my best not to kill another one of you. Also, thanks to, for the support as I continue to make bootleg Animorph audiobooks. Much love, Daniel. An enterprising individual. Uh, who is going to be hearing from my lawyers because I've been Ronald McDonald the entire time. Ooh, see, I would have pegged you as a grimace. Well, thanks, Rachel. Is that insulting? I'm sorry. He hates the, their food and wants to destroy it. I, no, he doesn't. He started out as a McDonald land villain, for sure. Hmm. He hates their food and wants to destroy it. He's just a big noid. I'm going to have to do some research on that. I could be wrong. Okay. Beginning this summer, you can listen to new episodes of Inside Pop every other week for an even deeper dive inside the world of pop culture. Now, we're still bringing you our brilliant insight, always on the nose opinions, and insidery inside information on the most interesting pop culture stories of the week. And we'll also have interviews with the pop culture professionals who create the culture you crave. For example, we'll speak to casting directors about how they find the right talent for the right role. We'll talk to music supervisors about how they choose the music to create the right mood. And we'll grill producers who'll discuss what exactly a producer does. Oh man, Sean, how many times has someone said to you, oh, you're a producer, so what do you actually do? So many times. <laughs> Same here. So make sure to catch Inside Pop every other Wednesday on Maximum Fun to indulge your pop culture obsessions. And to hear in-depth interviews from the movers and the shakers in TV, music, film, and more. Can I tell you about my second thing? Yes. It is finding a new staple restaurant. A restaurant that cooks staples for you to eat with your robot metal <laughs> mouth to crush with your oh, metal Oh, I teeth. thought you meant the office supply store now has restaurants. They do have pastrami sandwiches that are so good they cook them in the printers they take the printers and they hack them they run a lot of power through them and that glass screen with the scanner on it gets really hot they'll slide some of the paper and the the, the meat in the paper tray is it weird that my mouth is watering as you tell the story a little bit i think i'm just thinking of the very good pastrami sandwich i had uh last month so I love finding a new staple restaurant. And by that, I mean uh, a restaurant that I know I'm going to go back to. Um, 
I feel like I've experienced this like so many times since I moved away from Huntington, uh, where I lived for for 23 years, and it was a fantastic place to grow up. There weren't that many new, like exciting restaurants opening up until, of course, the year I left when dozens of them started to appear, which is fucking bullshit. Um, I mean, it's good. Good for the city. And it's good every time I go back. But what the fuck, man? Anyway, um, so I moved to Cincinnati after that. I moved to Chicago after that. I moved to Austin after that. And then I lived in several different neighborhoods in Austin. And and every time that that happened, one of the first things that I would do is kind of like look for my look for my restaurants, uh, a place that I know I can go to for uh, good food or convenient delivery options, uh, because that stuff is super important to me. I feel like you and I have certain genres of food that we eat super, super regularly, almost on rotation. Like we are eating, you know, Chinese food usually about once a week, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I think once a week is fair. Maybe a little bit less, I mean, once every two weeks at the at the bare minimum. Uh, we enjoy uh, a good pizza. We go hard on sushi when we're feeling, you know, fancy. We've mm-hmm. had a big day. We'll go get some sushi. Yeah. And we know the spots to, to do that stuff in. And it's finding a place to fill one of those spots that is so very, very exciting for me. Uh, this just happened. I love uh, pho, and there was only one good place uh, at our old house that had it, and then we moved, and uh, we're out of their like range now. But then last week, we found a new pho place that was really good, and I was like, <laughs> hell yeah, whenever I want pho... I know there's a uh, you know a thing I can do to get. You were fun. really excited. I remember that you were like relieved of like the oh, the great wait is over. There was now a we good can have it again. Yeah, there was a good <laughs> Tex-Mex place that we got. I remember the day we moved into this house, we got Tex-Mex delivery, and I tried to convince myself like this is so good. I'm so glad we have I our know. Tex-Mex place, but it was actually awful. But then we did find a good Tex-Mex. We did. It, it's it's uh it, there's something about that that I uh I find very comforting uh. I think that uh, I, I know that that may seem like silly, but there is something about uh, moving to a, a neighborhood and wanting to have the same sort of experiences, food experiences that you have had at other times in your life and then actually finding them, I think is kind of a, a big relief. I will also say like dinner is kind of a stress, you know, and that like our day has ended and we've kind of waited until the last minute to figure out what we're going to eat and knowing that like there is a place you can count on that will deliver something you like. Yes. There are days uh, where there are days where we relaxing. don't we don't do a good like planning job, and so we get Henry down to bed, and by that point we're starving, and so yeah. like we we know we have options. Um, another thing I will say is my like move-in days are I pray to Jesus behind me, um, but every time I did move, like there is something about finding one of these places that makes a new place that you're living in feel more like home. Uh, I will never forget when I moved to Chicago, that was uh, by far like, uh, that was a huge jump for me. I was, uh, when I lived in Cincinnati, I was really, really, actually really far out of Cincinnati. So I don't know that you could technically call that city living, but we lived, you know, in the heart of Chicago and uh, I was, you know, country mouse in a big city. I was very nervous. I didn't know that many people uh, in the city. I knew nothing about sort of the the geography of the of the city. And then the first night that we moved into this apartment, uh, we found a restaurant called Hot Walks Cool Sushi. And we ate that. And I was like, oh, this is a good place. Uh, it was just around the corner. So I knew I had my place for food cooked in Hot Walks or cool sushi prepared just for me. <laughs> it would still be cool by the time I got it back to my apartment. Um, and that made Chicago feel a lot smaller. Like it made it feel yeah. a lot more... Um, I felt like I could get a foothold in it. And 
I, I don't know. I think there's maybe something very primal about that, about like, oh, God, no, I can get true. food. Good. Uh, which isn't to say, like, I didn't cook. I love cooking and we we do it often. Um, but, you know, I don't know how to cook pho. <laughs> so, like, when I want pho, it's it's nice to know I, I have a No, a when I think back to, like, places I've lived throughout my life, I like, it's kind of interesting to do the, like, family tree of, like, oh, where were the, like, four or five places that I used to eat in that yeah. place that I lived? It's kind of... So Fun. when I lived in Cincinnati, I actually lived uh, about 35 minutes outside in a, a town called Batavia. Uh, and the apartment complex we lived in was just like right next to a mall and nothing else. Like I would have to get on the highway if I wanted. The next closest restaurant was a, a cheeseburger in paradise. Um, and the mall was, you know, mall, mall plaza sort of uh, yeah. food. And so I never had like I, like I never had a place like Aww. I only sort of had food that I made for myself or you know I would go downtown and have I had good meals like Cincinnati's got great restaurants Batavia does not necessarily uh and so like that that year of my life I just never really had this foothold and yeah. so that made it all the more exciting that that first night in Chicago and you know the many many times that I had great meals in in Chicago the year I lived there that uh just I don't know I I ate that city up and then I knew it and I found that to be very yeah. um, a very exciting process I feel like I know Austin super well, partially because I've lived here longer than I've lived in any city other than Huntington, but also because like I know where the spots are, and that's super. Although Austin's kind of incredible, like I've never lived in a city that like is changing so much (laughs) month to month, and so like we were real up on the food scene, and then maybe six months ago, yeah, now we're not. And then we took a break, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I I have talked for a long time about this. It's just uh, it's a it's a I had kind of forgotten how like cool a thing this is for me until it happened again last week, uh, and I, I I really like it. You want to give me thing two? Yeah. What you got? And I don't know if we're going to be on the same page on this one. Yowza. I can pretend. You'll know if I'm pretending, though. Okay, I will. Home makeover shows. Mm. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Good. Good. It's. I don't think you can lump them in in such a broad category because some are very good and some are less. I feel. Well, and that is true. And so I tried to kind of zero in on the like specific parts of a home makeover show that I like. Uh, and, and the reason I was thinking of this is that we were watching uh, Marie Kondo's Tidying Up show on Netflix. Sure. Uh, and for those that aren't familiar, she wrote this like book that became this phenomenon called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing, which like I feel like Almost everybody has heard of this book. Yeah, pretty much. I know lots of people who, yeah. uh, for about three months, it's all they t- all they yeah. talked about. Yes. Yeah, it's this idea of going through your possessions and like individually holding them and deciding whether or not they they spark joy. And if you you know don't feel very strongly for them, that you should probably downsize, dump it in a river. Yeah, I think that's what she says is to go out to the nearest river <laughs> yeah. or sort of animal habitat and mm-hmm. dump it right the hell in there. That's what she says. She cusses. I cannot imagine. I can't that. imagine either. She's no. she's she's fantastic. Uh, so it made me think, kind of like, what is? Because for a while, I was real into like HGTV too. Oh and my god, I, yes. And 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 I was like, what? What is it exactly? And I think it's just the idea of taking something that is unorganized and making somebody unhappy, and then kind of neatly boiling that down into a like digestible hour of television, right? And you get to see kind of the beginning and end, and it, it like all comes together. Did you watch this stuff growing up? Because I have two very vivid, like two shows that to which I attach very vivid memories. I don't know if it really existed. So HGTV was launched in 1994, uh, 
And I think at that point I was really focused on like MTV. I don't think I was watching home improvement shows. Although my parents did watch uh, Bob Vila, which I remember. Okay. I was thinking like Ty Pennington Extreme Home Makeover. Yeah. See, that wasn't, I don't think that. That wasn't as big of a thing to me. Okay, that was a big thing in our in our family. Yeah. That and trading spaces. Trading was, spaces was yeah, yeah for sure. Watching that, uh, and so there's all these like all these different research articles out there about kind of the value of having like an organized happy home. Okay, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, so there was a study from Indiana University. Uh, that said um, your physical health is more likely to improve if you have a cleaner home. Hmm. Uh, In 2010, there was a study in the Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin that found that women that described their spaces as cluttered or full of unfinished projects were more likely to be depressed and fatigued. Uh, In 2011, Researchers at Princeton found that uh, clutter can actually make it more difficult to focus on a particular task, which is not surprising. Yeah. Uh, a survey. Oh, this one I thought was really interesting and made me like rethink our whole life. Uh-oh. Uh oh. A survey conducted by the National Sleep Foundation found that people that make their beds every morning are 19 percent more likely to report getting a good night's sleep. Mm, all right. And that if you have clean sheets, 75% of people said they get a better night's rest when their sheets are freshly cleaned. That one I believe. The making the bed, oh, I don't know. Is it is that 19% representative of like the sheets? If you get into an unmade bed, there's a chance you could climb into a weird fold. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a like weird you, fold. You climb into a weird fold and like your leg gets caught up in it, but you don't realize it. And then you go to sleep and then at 3 a.m. you try to toss and turn, but your oh. leg's caught in the snare. Of the weird fold. Of the weird fold. Yeah. Or maybe there was a bag of open Cheez-Its in there that you didn't realize because <laughs> you were having night Cheez-Its. I think it's it's more like when when parts of your life feel organized, you are like more able to relax and feel like welcome in the space. Yeah. I think so if that's the true. bed is like more inviting, you're like more ready to. Well, I mean, that touches on like there's also a lot of sort of. Uh, you know, philosophical and like spiritual yeah. elements of of home design that that some people I f- I feel like there is a lot of that going on in, in Marie Kondo's stuff. I don't I did not read the book, but just sort of based on the the television show, like yeah, she talks to the house uh, and is, tries to like uh, display thankfulness towards the things that mm-hmm. bring you joy in the house. And yeah, I um, mean, mindfulness is kind of a big thing in the past ten fifteen years, and I feel like that's kind of where this is coming from too of like being more aware of your space and more like you know thoughtful about what you put in it um there's so there's this organizing expert who wrote a book called behind the clutter and in the book it says for every six minutes people lose 15 seconds searching for items they can't find every one more time for every six minutes, people yes. lose 15 seconds searching for items they can't find. That sucks. Yeah. That's a lot of time. Holy shit. Yeah. Is that just saying like you have one day where you lose your keys for 18 hours? And so like oh, no, that throws I think, off yeah, the I mean, average. If you think about like things that we encounter, like trying to find stuff in our kitchen is yeah. sometimes challenging. Yeah. Uh, trying to find like spices in our spice cabinet can be challenging. This is true. You know, and you think about all that time stacked up and it's like, oh, you know what? Maybe that is a thing. Uh, yeah. I just don't like thinking about it because that adds up. <laughs> that adds up so quickly. 
that adds up so quickly. Let's see, 15 seconds into six minutes, that's 1 24th of that six-minute period, meaning every 24 years I've lost one year to missing <laughs> objects. By the time I was 24 years old, I had spent one year looking for shit. I believe that. I don't like it, though. I don't like it. I'll tell you, like, I I, I believe that because I lose stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. I have certain improvements. I pre- Like this Contigo water bottle that I bought last year, now I don't have to search for my cups of water anymore. That is it's true. It's the big gray boy that has all the water in it. That's true. So I think I think there's something there as to why I like those those home makeover shows because um you know sometimes like the families and the people in them can be kind of a turn off mm. but I really enjoy seeing a disorganized space uh be made organized and 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 trying to do the same thing myself you know like Griffin and I will do little purges of like clothes and stuff we we don't use anymore and that's always right really to the, satisfying too. right to the river right we into donate the river our things uh yeah we do um yeah i agree i mean shit there was a period there where every time we traveled uh or i was going out for shows or whatever hgtv was like my constant companion yeah my the property brothers became my actual they were closer to me than my non-property brothers in a way <laughs> in a manner of speaking um yeah what's your favorite now though you got a favorite now my favorite now yeah um i don't actually because what happened was we bought the house and then i kind of took a break i don't want to i don't want to see other nice houses that i didn't just commit 30 years of my fucking life like chipping chipping joanna Gaines though (sighs) yeah uh so i have some submissions from our friends at home do you want me to read them yes Here's one, and it's sent in by Becky, who says, I love it when I see a dog wearing a bandana around its neck. It looks so cute and spunky and ready to lead a hiking adventure. Yeah. That is true. I do like that. I do like a good bandana around a dog's neck. Um, I don't typically like most clothing on a dog. How often do you think they change out those bandanas? That's a daily thing? I hope often. I hope (laughs) often. There's probably a subscription box service. Just for dog bandanas? Yeah, for dog accessories. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, here's one from Steven who says, something I think is wonderful is seeing and identifying animal tracks in freshly fallen snow. I moved to Chicago and it's nice to see evidence of nature still around me. Today I saw bunny rabbit, cat, dog, and bird tracks on my sidewalk while walking to my car. It's a wild fucking street. Where do you, what street do you live on? That is true. I feel like I never saw a bunny when I was in Chicago. Mm, yeah, me me neither. Uh, here's one from Rebecca who says, I love to see people making big bubbles in public spaces. Not only do kids love it, but you get to see adults transform and remember how to play as they chase after these wobbly round things to get that satisfying pop. It's oh, wonderful. Oh, I thought we were talking about the gum bubble. No. That's good too, honestly. That's good too, but watching people use that thing that's like a big hoop on the two sticks and then get it yeah. all oily and make a big bubble. And then oh, that's nice. All the adults come out and want to play with it. I like a big bubble, man. <laughs> I love a big bubble, man. <laughs> bubble man is my third thing. I know we don't usually bring three, but my favorite is the big bubble man. Bubble man demands being a third thing. Bubble man is a guy that yes. will float uh, up to your window, yes. uh, knock on your door, but you can't hear it because he's he is he is all bubbles, uh, and he will ask you uh, for some bread, mm-hmm. and you give it to him, and he floats away, and he, he sings you a little bubble song, and he floats away. But if you don't give it to you, um, if you don't give it to him, he he flies into you, he flies it's, into your body. 
how old is Bubble Man? I feel like ancient. Yeah, sort of. Um, I feel like if you look on the pyramids, you'll see yeah, hieroglyphics he's, of. I, he's prehistorical. I mean, he's yeah. he is Lovecraftian and yeah. sort of he's eldritch and old, mm-hmm. ancient. Um, but yeah, he'll fly right in you, and then you become the new Bubble Man, and mm-hmm. it's rough. So just always have some bread what on. Kirby hand. is based on more or less. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, uh, "Money Won't Pay." You can find a link to that in our episode description. It's a very 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 good song and we are very grateful that we are allowed to use it and we are also very grateful to maximum fun tell yeah, them all about it thank you maximumfun.org for hosting our podcast and all sorts of other podcasts that include comedy and culture uh podcast i want to bring up is can i pet your dog if you're curious about dog bandanas i bet that they have mm. some ideas too the inside scoop mm-hmm. uh also we have a new website it's mcelroy.family or the mcelroy.family where you can find all kinds of stuff news merch new episodes of monster factory one just went up today uh all at mcelroy.family we're gonna keep updating it with all the content you crave oh should we talk about our new p.o box we got a new p.o box that P.O. Box is P.O. Box 26038, Austin, Texas, 78755. If you send joke shit to it, I'll, I will find you. <laughs> Please. I shouldn't even say that because then people hear that and they're like, hmm, they're not talking uh, yeah, to me. All we, we, it doesn't even make it to our car. It does not make it to our car. It makes it to the garbage can of the post office. It is wasteful of the <laughs> post office's time, effort, gasoline, paper, whatever you send. It's your money. Not good way to spend it because it goes in garbage. Um, uh, well, that's a bad thing to say because we get lots of wonderful stuff. It's just we moved and neglected reopening a new one closer to our house. But now we've done that. One more time. It is P.O. Box 26038, Austin, Texas, 78755. Well, that's the episode. Um, uh, any... Any predictions for what's going to be wonderful in 2019? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. New perfume from... <laughs> Here's You want to hear what I'm thinking? From, yeah. Instead of double stuff Oreos. Mm. We got double outside Oreos. Now these... <laughs> what's these? Uh, the top and the bottom, the cookie part. Yeah. Double. So two... Co- I don't think it would stick together, baby. No, it's like extra thick. <laughs> oh, damn. A toothsome Oreo. It's like Oreo. a hot dog bun, but Oreo. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what well, about you? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, 2019. I got Yeah, sure. I got one. Okay. Uh, it's double stuff, double outside Oreos. <laughs> it's just really big. It's basically you blew it up yeah. in like a, you know, honey, I blew up the kids blow mm-hmm. up machine. So uh, you got anything uh, else? Yeah, lamps. Oh. Uh, but the bulbs are shaped like your favorite Pokemon. That's fun. And that for you would be, of course. Scruttlesore. Scruttlesore is an interesting one to say. <laughs> Scruttle, Scruttle. No, see, a lot of people say that, but it's it's Scruttlesore. Well, the original Japanese name of it was it loosely translated to Scruttlesore. <laughs> so, um, I don't have another joke. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. We've all made mistakes in book club, right? You drink a little too much. You don't actually read the book. And if you're under the bubble in Fairhaven... Your individual will get subsumed by the collective. Hey, maybe I just let him go and whip us up some guac. We do not require guac. We require only nutrients and expansion. You will become book club. You will eat, pray, and love with us. Join book club. Bubble, the sci-fi comedy from MaximumFun.org. Just open your podcast app and search for Bubble. Bubble.